This is Power Players with Dan Clark. So let's talk. So I'm a professional speaker, spoken 6,000 times in 75 countries to millions of people. My first speech <clears throat> was against Morgan was for Morgan High School football team the year they played Milford in the state championship back in 1978. And you had an all-state quarterback who was so, he was so good. Unbelievable. Do you know who I'm talking about? What year did you say? 70, 70 something? 78, 79, I think. Maybe 1980. Yeah, no. Got no answers there. He was Mr. Football and that was my first time paying attention to Fillmore, Utah, baby. Fillmore is actually Millard. What? Oh, you're are you you're Milford? Milford, yep. Okay, so where's that? Okay, so driving down, you go through Fillmore, which is Millard yeah. High School, right? Yeah. So you keep going down, down a little bit further. You got Beaver, and if you take the exit and you go west for about thirty miles over the mountain, Milford. So Milford's. Between Beaver and Parowan, uh, not quite. It's it's so it's west of so Parowan is south of Beaver, Milford is west of Beaver. Well, now that we turned you into Rand McNally, I'm sorry. Let's start the interview, baby. <laughs> oh, everything I said about Fillmore is just completely stupid. I'm sorry, man. I <laughs> oh, honor you, but that even. That even makes more sense, bro. So how many people are in Milford? I think there's anywhere from like 1,400 to like 1,800, somewhere in that little ballpark there. So they miss you today. They're looking around like, where did Barnes go, man? There's, you know, 1,398, 1,398. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're definitely going to recognize when there's about one person there, no doubt. So more hogs in Milford than people. <laughs> oh, 100%. And you're famous for raising 12,000 pigs as a teenager growing up. Were you in 4-H or what, what did you do? No, yeah. So I wasn't actually a part of 4-H. It was a contract barn and it was out. It was a contract from Circle 4 Farms, which then got bought out by, I want to say, Smithfield. And so, yeah, we, we were contractors. And so, yeah, there's there's a bunch of barns out there in Milford and, yeah, usually about 12,000 pigs. So how young were you when you started Farming pigs, raising pigs, and then what was your day like? Yeah, so you wake up and what were your chores? Yeah, so the age <laughs> I want to say I was about somewhere twelve. I want to say I was about the fourth, fifth grade is when we ended up getting the pig barn, and it just kind of depended on kind of what we needed to get done, you know, whatever my mom needed help with, and it just kind of depended on that, you know, that definitely a lot. If there was ever like fall break, winter break, uh, summer break, things like that, where we were more available because it was definitely like a morning job. Wake up, go get it done. You definitely didn't wait till the afternoon. So like get trying to do it after school usually didn't happen unless, like I said, it was a day off and we got done with practices. And so like my, my duties kind of like entailed when we load pigs into the barn, loading them out and really just kind of setting the barn up in general. Once the pigs are out, you know, they go through and they clean it all. And we call it breaking down is what we call it. And so you had to send the feeders all back up and just make sure everything's ready for the pigs to come back into the barn. So how early in the morning would you wake up? <clears throat> uh, it just kind of, it, it, it depended really. So like 
sometimes, you know, you, you'd be up, you'd have to be out there by 6 a.m. Before and school started. Uh, so I, I usually never did it on, on school days. You know, my mom was definitely like, no, you, you've got school. She would have a longer day at the farm, but if there was ever time off, you know, you, you'd still have to get up, get out there early. Did you have uh, two parents at home? You just keep talking about your mom. Were you uh, raised by a single mom? No, no. So my, my mom, she was kind of, she's, she ran the pig barn. My dad was gone on the railroad. Really? Mm -hmm. What railroad? Union Pacific? Yep. Union Pacific. Wow. I know the Onshoot family who owns that. So let's talk. So you're 1A, Mr. Football's three-time three All-State football player, and then 2A MVP in baseball. What position did you play in baseball? I played center field, and I'd, I'd pitch on occasions. So you had a great arm. I guess you could call it that, yeah. How was your bat? Were you pretty good at the plate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I batted pretty well. No basketball? I tried basketball for a year, but wrestling was the, the winter sport for me. Wrestling? Yep. So how much did you weigh in high school? What what weight did you wrestle? So freshman year, I wrestled 152. And my sophomore and junior year, I wrestled 170. And then my senior year, I wrestled 182. How did you uh, how did you fare wrestling? Uh, ended up getting injured my freshman year. Sophomore year, lost in the state championship, and my junior and senior year won it both. That's not your resume, man. Aren't you proud of grappling? Come on, bro. Hey, it, it, it's good. It's good. I've kind of – it's been a while since I've been in that, that wrestling field, so it, it just kind of – it's kind of on the shoulder now. So I played football, basketball, and baseball, and you're the perfect guy to interview. Remember, I'm supposed to ask the questions that all the fans want to know, bro. <clears throat> And I remember I'd be in great shape for football. Played all, you know, all three years, football, basketball, baseball, and ran track. And I'd be in great shape at the end of the football season. Then we'd immediately start basketball. And I was out of shape because I was using different muscles. Yep. And I knew I could never wrestle because the wrestlers had already started running two hours before our basketball practice started. <laughs> and we'd finish an hour and a half basketball practice and the wrestlers were still running. Yep. So talk about the mindset that that you developed working on a farm in a rural community, playing multiple sports. I want, everybody wants to know where you got this, this tenacity, bro, where you got this mental toughness that is so extraordinary. And I'm doing my best to ask you questions, so don't leave me hanging, man. Help me, <laughs> yeah. help me figure out where, you know, maybe, maybe an itemized question to get us going is, What's what would you learn from football and what did you learn from wrestling that you didn't learn from football that helped you become a better football player? And then what did you learn from baseball? I played football and baseball at the University of Utah. That's why I'm so curious. Okay. Yeah. So teach us, take us into the into the back mind of, of Bryson. So yeah, I feel like growing up, I mean, I always just kind of had this thing where like, I just wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the strongest. I wanted to be the fastest as I'm sure all of these little kids are. And when it came to wrestling, when I was probably like seventh, eighth grade, you know, strength was a big deal at that age. And so I always felt like, you know, I actually started hitting like the weight room in like about the eighth grade and just kind of getting a feel for that. And then, I mean, at the same time during the winter sports, uh, I was a manager for the high school wrestling team. So I'd go to high school, high school wrestling practice right after school. 
And then I'd go to uh, my junior high practice would follow high school practice. And then I'd have a eighth grade basketball practice after that. And so I was always just kind of constantly doing things, always wanting to be the best. And, you know, it was just continuously working. And so when it comes to wrestling and how it kind of ties into football, though, I mean, wrestling, it, it it's a tough sport. Just like you said, you're they're running two hours before you start practice and they're running when you're getting done. I mean, that's, it's legitimately how it is. It's a, it's a complete grind for the two hours you're at practice. And at the end of the day, cause that's the one thing with rest with wrestling, it's one-on-one, you know, it like, it's not like basketball where, Oh, it's four out of the five or football, 10 out of the 11. Like it's, it's one-on-one it's you against that guy. And so if you lose, it's on you. And if you win, it's on you. And so it, it all just kind of comes out of like how hard you want to work. And you really see it just the results pay off almost exactly on how hard you worked and how you prepared for that exact situation. And so, yeah, I would say a lot of the hard work came from wrestling and the grind of wrestling and baseball. Baseball was just a little bit different because I was kind of running track at the same time. So my time was kind of being split between baseball and track. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I would say a, a lot of my carryover with, mental toughness and things like that come from obviously being from a small town working and, you know, having summer jobs, but then also wrestling. This podcast episode was sponsored by select comfort systems. Thank you so much for supporting the university of Utah student athletes. You brought up something so fun to talk about Bryson, you know, as a professional speaker, my job is to challenge the status quo and try to get audiences, try to get teams. I've worked with so many teams in the NFL to think differently. And because we're bringing up football, basketball, and baseball, I love to ask people if baseball is a team sport and we've got the world series going on. Everybody goes, yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not. There's only one baseball and it can only be one place on the field at one time, which means only one guy one player out of the nine on the field can even change the impact of that ball. So when that pitcher 60 feet, six inches away from home plate, the other eight players don't have one flipping thing to do with what's going on. It's him mono on mono against the batter. And if he swings and misses, then it's catcher to get the ball back. If he turns on his hands, trusts his hands, turns on the ball and he hits into third base, nobody else matters. That third baseman has to take that ball and execute, field it, you know, scarecrow separation, throw it to first base. And they say, well, what about a double play? Shortstop, second baseman, he gets the ball and what he does next. It's an individual sport. So I want to make sure before I ask you my next question, everybody says, and we believe it, and it's true that we win and lose as a team, but we win and lose because of individuals. So let's talk, bro. Wrestling yeah. is an individual sport, but in this mindset, Bryson, so is football, so is basketball, so is baseball. And I say that to compliment you <clears throat> at the highest level. I'm telling you, bro, you are you you make Ute fans so proud. And even Kyle, you know, I was in the at the Coliseum with my my wife and my daughter. And my son's the biggest fan. Our tickets are on the fourth row on the 50-yard line, close enough for 
Kyle, to hear all the plays I've been calling all these years, and he never listens to one. Pisses me. <laughs> but, you know, to see, I know you've seen the interview after the after the, the USC game. Yeah, they have a Heisman Trophy winner. We have a pig farmer, man. What a stud. So I want to know a little bit more about your high school. You were so good. And you're a Boy Scout. So was I. Trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, kind obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> so your character and being raised in a rural community and having this amazing family, these stoic parents, it's no surprise that you're the man that you are. But let me ask a question everybody wants to know. How did you, Were you highly recruited out of high school? Who, who was knocking on your door? How do you end up as a walk-on at the University of Utah? Yeah, so I was definitely, I was not the highest recruit by any means. Uh, the kind of big recruiting website throughout the country is 24-7 Sports. I luckily was able to get even a profile with zero stars. So yeah, I was definitely not highly recruited coming out of high school. Uh, my first offer actually came, was the preferred walk-on in September of my senior year. Uh I didn't receive any other offers until a week before the, uh, the University of Utah, the walk-on offer in September. Yeah. Those tight wads. <laughs> they they you just want the system to get somebody of your caliber to come on without a scholarship. That ticks us off. Oh, <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, and then, so like January, I had some FCS schools kind of come in. And I was in contact with like Central Michigan. They ended up coming out to Milford. I actually never heard back after that visit. Uh, I was able to get another preferred walk-on offer to uh, Utah State and Washington State. The Utah State was kind of, they were going through a big coaching change at the time. And it was a little bit of a kind of a disaster a little bit when you have big coaching changes and things like that. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, I just felt like, you know, I wanted to bet on myself and my abilities and the things that I believed that I could do and take a chance on myself playing the the biggest kind of football you can play. So baseball was my best sport. What was your best sport? My best sport was football. Why? I mean, one thing that just it's like the kind of the love of the game for me is just preparation. And it didn't matter like kind of what month it was. I was always preparing for football in some type of way. Like I was always lifting weights for it was for football. Sure, it was for the other sports, but my 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 priority, my mindset was all focused on football. Like I I'd be watching film on teams coming up in the season in June and July just so I had an idea before we played them. Like football was was my sport. And baseball was my best sport, but football was my favorite sport because. I actually enjoyed showing up at the line of scrimmage in a bad mood. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how wrestling is. You show up in a bad mood. You just you're let all your anger stories. out. You're making up stories just as you walk out onto the mat that that guy slapped your mom and it's time for you to teach him a lesson. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. That in the third quarter. So teach us about walking on to the University of Utah. So what was the process? Did they welcome you? I you know, there's a, a guy, he ended up being all-conference, uh, Dick Graham. Look him up. He was a great receiver for the University of Utah. He came on scholarship for the ski team. 
So he had awesome legs, you know, just amazing. But he ran about a 19-second 40-yard dash. <laughs> you know, if he was a running back, they would have called you would have called to play 34 dive right on three, Graham go on one. You know, one of those, he was so slow. And I remember so perfectly, Bryson, that you know, all of us cocky scholarship guys coming out of high school, I was a wide receiver, defensive back. 172 pounds, you know, point guard, you know, and in the first two summers after high school graduation, I grew two and a half inches taller and gained 87 pounds. That's why I ended up playing defensive end and linebacker. But I'm a scholarship receiver and we're cocky and we're getting in line. We're doing our reps, you know, for practice. And all of a sudden this guy shows up as a walk on to spring football and our coaching staff was so indignant. It was like they gave him a cardboard helmet and half a shoulder pads and some pants that came from, you know, Ben Hur. <laughs> and he's out there diving for every ball. Where the scholarship athletes, if they're overthrown, this is practice, man. I'm not laying out, you know, throw it better, kind of, you know, trash talking. And this guy was so relentless. And then I ended up leaving and going on an LDS mission. And I would get these, these, these newspaper clippings in the mail from my parents and all of a sudden Dick Graham's starting and all of a sudden Dick Graham's all conference. And he was so good. And he became a physician. He went to medical school, all of this. He reminds me of you, not that you were slow, <laughs> but the heart that he brought to the field and the example he set to never get complacent, complacent and don't live off of your, so-called natural athleticism, keep working and trying to be better today than you were yesterday. And for that reason, no matter how many All-Americans and All-Pro guys we had that came out of the University of Utah, Dick Graham has to always be on the highest shelf, the highest plateau. He wasn't even a preferred walk-on. He was like, if you keep bugging us, maybe you'll stop coming if we give you this you know, $3 uniform. <laughs> So I say that on purpose, Bryson. Take us back. What was it like they invited you to walk on? And who was the starting quarterback? Who was the second string quarterback when you entered the Utah program? Take us all the way back to that first day. Did they make you feel wanted and important, lovable, capable, and you can succeed? Or do they feel like you're going to run the Morris Meat Company and we're just <laughs> going to key off on you, you know, for 45 minutes a day in practice? Yeah, so when I actually got in, it was kind of a, a little bit of a disaster. What I mean by that is it was COVID. And so I come in, COVID, things were just, they were normal to me, but they were just, they were all screwy for everybody else that had been there. And so at the time, they uh, they brought in a transfer, Jake Bentley, and then you had Cam, and then you had Drew Lisk. And those were like the three guys at the time. And we there was four other quarterbacks in the room, but we were just kind of, I mean, we were just kind of pushed to the side because the priority was get these three guys ready. And so there was actually limited meeting room space because of COVID couldn't have any, so many people in an enclosed area at a certain, for a certain amount of time and all that crap. And so I actually wasn't even in the quarterback meetings for probably, I would say my first six months there. And Did you ever you to, to swap and play like strong safety or something? Cause you've got the athleticism. And you've obviously got the size. You're a big boy. You got great legs. So, did they ever come to you and say, "Hey, if you want to play, we'll move you to safety or wherever, tight end"? You'd be a great tight end too, you know. 
Uh, so there was a very brief conversation about that. And it was after spring ball, uh, of 2021 that was like i feel like spring ball was really kind of when my football career started up there because 2020 was just so back and forth it was just a, a disastrous season and you know the talk was like hey like if you end up falling further down the depth chart like would you be open to moving to safety like we know your athletic abilities things like that like would you open that and i said i said mm-hmm. if, if i can't if it doesn't work out for me playing quarterback you know that is something that we could possibly explore and that was really kind of the, the only conversation we ever had and after that, I mean, I just, I've obviously quarterbacks kind of panned out. And so I've kind of stuck that way, but back to being the walk on, uh, I would, I would never say I was really mistreated. I would say that's one thing about Utah football in general is the culture here is it's amazing. It's truly like a family. Like you just, they like these guys, like I'm going to love these guys forever. Like they're, they're my brothers in my eyes and the love that you have for each and every teammate that comes into the facility to when they leave. I mean, just, there's just like a different type of love that we have for our teammates here. And so, yeah, I never felt like I was really mistreated in any, in any way when it comes to that. So then teach us about, <clears throat> you know, I always, I love quotes under pressure. You don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your level of training. Mm. That's why we train and practice and prepare so hard. And that the, the couplet, the brother quote to that is, Pressure is not something that's naturally there. It's created when you question your own ability. Mm. And you know what you've been trained to do. There's never any pressure. Again, that's why we train and practice so hard. So I'm in the Rose Bowl. We're sitting in great seats. And Cam goes down. He's looking out his ear hole. And he came in and drove us all the way down the field and just took over, bro. So you're the perfect guy that every parent needs you to talk to their son and daughter about. That when you're prepared, you shall not fear. You never know when your number's called. You never know in a situation when it's next man up. So when you walked onto the U, you said there were three quarterbacks and all of them are recognizable names because as fans, we want to know the succession program. We want to know who the, the upcoming superstars are. And with all due respect, I never I never heard the name Barnes in the same conversation with Lisk and with Cam because you weren't, you were like fourth string at that time, correct? When I got here, I was like sixth or seventh, somewhere in there. Oh yeah, man, you make me feel like my junior prom date, man. I had to go through <laughs> six girls before one final. <laughs> I didn't know this interview was going to lower my self-esteem, bro. Come on. <laughs> so, so teach us about you still maintaining your tenacity, your self-mastery, your, your, your motivation to make yourself ready so no matter what happens. And it's like the, the proverbial story about the huge symphonic orchestra and the guys, the lead, and you know, the conductor, and everybody's playing, and the timpanis and the trumpets, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's a pop, and this dude on the eleventh row goes ding with his triangle, <laughs> and he's practiced the entire year for his one moment in the light limelight, ding, and it was that ding that made that song a hit song. <laughs> so there you are, you're the triangle player. You know, not everybody can be the lead singer in the band. Sometimes you have to play the tambourine. 
<laughs> nothing worse than watching a band where the tambourine player doesn't give a rat's walk a zoodle. <laughs> You're going to play the tambourine. You better be getting into it, baby. You better have some choreography and some movement. And that is Bryson Barnes from Dan Clark's two man. <laughs> You were the triangle player. You were the you're the freaking tambourine guy. <laughs> and all of a sudden they say, wait a second. Our lead singer in Led Zeppelin just got he just got he just fell off the stage. Barnes, get in there and sing Stairway to Heaven. And you're like, no prob. No prob, baby. I've been I've been practicing. I've been coming early, staying late. I am ready. And all of a sudden you are, you're amazing. So talk to us about when you first got in the game. I don't, you, your first appearance wasn't in the Rose Bowl, obviously. Talk, talk to us about that. I think you've made three, three appearances in three games. Take us back, man. Walk us into when you first got your chance to be on the, on the field as a Utah quarterback. Yeah, so actually, actually, the stat you bring up that I played in three games is actually wrong. The first time I went in and actually played was the Rose Bowl in 2021. Are you kidding me? I swear. You got goosebumps, dude. <laughs> I actually, I actually took a knee. Exactly what I said, man. You're the triangle player. Come <laughs> on, man. Yeah, I actually took a knee against Colorado in 2021. We were planning on putting in our second O-line. And the time ended up running down while well, I was getting snaps with this center. And they were like, do you want a Bryson to go in? And they were like, oh, no, Cam can just do it. And then they go, well, he's been the one taking snaps. And they go, okay, put him in. I went in there and I took one knee. And then so what was that? What was your first play as a Utah quarterback? Taking a knee against Colorado in 2021. I hope you have that on film so you can show your children and grandchildren, you know, your debut. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm it, first play, man. I didn't fumble, no interceptions. <laughs> it was so freaking awesome. Yep. And then, so yeah, I ended up getting into the Rose Bowl. And what was weird, I remember uh, the night before I was talking with my wife, and I was like, I have just had this like weird feeling that I'm going in tomorrow. Like, it hadn't been that it hadn't been that way for the whole season. You know, I, I was kind of the me and me and JJ were kind of going back and forth, and kind of who was back up, and then kind of towards the end of the season, you know, I was taking the backup reps and things like that. And I mean, it, it was never like, Hey, like I'm going in, I'm going in. Like it was always just kind of like, Oh yeah, Cam's got this. Like, let's go. And yeah, I just had the weirdest feeling the night before that I was going to be going in, you know, but then at the same time, like I had prepared as much as I could, like I wouldn't change anything about my preparation leading into that game. And sure enough, like somewhere in the fourth quarter, I want to say is what it was. Cam goes down and, and I had to, I had to go in, and it was almost kind of like being thrown into the fire. Like there was no time to, I mean, be nervous. You just had to react, and that's just kind of what it was. You know, I just remember looking at dudes like Brent Covey, Devin Lloyd, uh, Keegan Margraf, Bamadeli, Olaseni. I remember just seeing those seniors, and I was just like, like I like what this game ain't over yet. Like I I love these guys too much, and I'm not gonna let this kind of ruin our chances. And that was kind of just like my mentality when I went into it. This episode was sponsored by Select Comfort Systems for their undying support of the University of Utah student-athletes. And, you know, we never point failure, you know, fingers. We, we win and lose as a team, but we win and lose because of individuals. And we know that Rose Bowl, 
it was a little bit more of an unraveling on the defensive end because when you came up and, and ignited the offense and drove us down the field and did your magic, you did everything in your power to help us win. You did everything in your power as an individual to utilize the other I players on the team, the other individuals. So, uh, you know, I congratulate you on behalf of every fan. We're just huge fans. Okay, so let's let's get personal, bro. So how do you prepare for a game? You're a quarterback and in your second string and you might not go in. Cam's having some pretty good, you know, games. Did you slack off on your preparation? Was it easy for you to get mindset, you know, mind, mindset fatigue? Uh, I'm never going to get in. I, you know, I can stay out later tonight. Now maybe I'll take my wife to a movie <laughs> or how did you stay so focused that just in case your number's called, you're ready to go. Yeah. So I feel like in 2021, it was really just the type of season where I was still trying to fully understand and learn the offense. And so when it came to these, I mean, the way you prepare for college games, like I was, I was kind of took back by it. Like I couldn't believe the amount of information that was kind of just being displayed. And so it was always just like this constant process of, understanding what's going in this week and how this is like furthering my football IQ is kind of the way we refer to it as, and just like the more knowledge you have kind of the better. And so I really feel like 2021 was kind of like setting the foundation of kind of what I needed to know and what I, and just more of like what I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more. And then finally in 2020, you were a sophomore 2021. I was actually a a freshman because we got that COVID year. So 2021 is, was my red shirt year. And come back 2022 and season goes, goes through. I, I end up getting named the backup and I kind of understand that like, Hey, I went in last year, like that, that is more of a reality now. And so I feel like my mentality was, it was just different than the time before where Cam was, he was balling out. Not that he wasn't balling out in 2022, but it was just a different mentality and approach to things than it was in the previous years. And then obviously this year, like I've, I've now been through it and you know, you just have to definitely handle things in a certain way exactly okay because you have so much so much so many reps in mental toughness being a wrestler football baseball at the highest levels how do you how do you deal with with failure i've brought this up with so many of my interviews bro not just with the youths that i've been doing on my podcast but i've worked with most of the teams in the National Football League and stuff. And even though the, the shot clock's a little different in college, you got 25 seconds, bro. And the average football play takes five seconds. Mm-hmm. So you got 20 seconds to figure out a way to build on what just happened or to forget about what just happened and rekindle that heart and soul, that confidence that you know you had through preparation. So what happens? How do you that teach us what what Bryson Barnes does when you throw an interception, or that the, the series doesn't go well and we have to punt? Uh, and by the way, you know fans they most fans don't realize that not every play is designed to score a touchdown. Mm. One play sets up the next play, which sets up the next play. Yep, and everybody thinks punt. Punting is giving up. No, it's offensive strategy. It's not defense. You're not giving up. You don't quit. Yeah. Hunt away for the percentages of increasing 
of bettering your field position for the next series. I just want to remind people about what we know. Yeah, sure. But when you got 20 seconds, uh, you know, you got longer than that if you throw an interception. But if a player, if a, if a, if a receiver drops a pass or if you misread a defense, <laughs> throw it behind or whatever the case may be, whatever the failure is, Teach us about mental toughness, bro, because you're an expert above all experts on how to get back up and go again and never say never. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, definitely talk answering the question about how, like, recovering from, like, interceptions and balls thrown behind. Uh, it's definitely kind of a next rep mentality. Uh, you can't dwell on it because dwelling on it, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to get nowhere with it. It's about it's more so about like, the action you're going to take afterwards. And so say you go three and out on offense – and you go to the sideline, you talk with your coaches, like, hey, like, don't don't check out of that play. Like, the, the look was good, don't check out of it. And you go, okay, like, you talk through the looks, you talk through the different things that you're seeing, and you just kind of get on that same page with your coordinator. So when you go back out there, we don't repeat the same mistakes. And so, yeah, I just feel like when it comes to failures and things like that, is it's control what's in in what you're able to control because all the outside noise and everything else like that, I mean, that that – that's that stuff that's out of your control. So dwelling on things like that, I mean, you just have to focus on what you can do. And at the end of the day, that's really what matters. So failure is an event, not a person. Difference between the person and the performance. So I've been married forever. You're married. So what we call, you know, when we have a little tiff with our with our spouse, little disagreement, we all have. We call it the rebound rate. How fast can you rebound? How fast can you put your pride in your pocket and be the first one to admit <laughs> it? Um, yeah. And since both of us have been married, are, are married, you know, it's amazing how my wife is so smart and, and so in tune that she even knows I'm wrong before I even open up my mouth. <laughs> so my question, bro, is how, how, what, how, how, have the lessons you've learned as an elite athlete, especially a leader and a quarterback, helped you become a better human being and a better spouse? And do you have children? No, no kids. Hey, but you'll be an awesome dad because of the answer to this question. So how do you take what you've learned in your preparation as an elite athlete and your up and down flow of successes? And I don't call them failures, man, non-success. I don't know. And not getting the first down, let's just call it like that. Yeah. How does that equate to you being a better human being, a better neighbor, a better friend, a better spouse, and significant other? You know, I feel like it kind of comes down to like when you're out there playing, sometimes what you see in the moment isn't exactly what actually happened, if that makes sense. Like you're going out there, you're going, okay, I threw this pass, like I threw it in the dirt. I don't know why I threw it in the dirt. And you just kind of, run through this in your mind. Well, sure enough, when you get to practice, you look at these different angles of the video and turns out, oh, hey, you, you, you had this certain drop in your step that it kind of set you off balance. Your feet weren't right. You overstrided. Ball ended up diving into the dirt in front of the receiver. There's a lot kind of more that goes into things. And so when it comes to things like that with spouse and you know maybe being a parent eventually, uh, sometimes exactly what you think or feel in the moment may not be exactly what happened. And so just like you said, your wife kind of knows when you're wrong before you even open your mouth. Uh, that's because she's already seen the, she's already seen the the back angle of the practice. She saw the side angle. She already, she's already kind of seen it all. And so once you're able to kind of like, Oh, kind of set yourself aside from what you thought you saw in practice to what's actually happening. That's kind of when that kind of comes into place. Okay. So let's talk about 
everybody wants to know if in one game, why you threw it to this receiver like nine times and you didn't throw it to anybody else. And we laugh in my section, like, well, he must have taken him to freaking dinner the night before. He's been, you know, maybe he bought you a new motorcycle or something you're sucking. So, so, so destroy that myth that it's not about your friendship with some, with Vele, so you're going to do him 19 times and make him a superstar one game. Teach us about how you distribute the ball and why at the end of the day, one receiver might get more passes than anyone else combined. All right. So yeah, uh, going into just kind of offensive minds in general, sometimes there's certain type of schemes where if it's a, it just depends on the look. Hey, if it's middle field open, we're getting cover two, cover four. We want to work this side. If we're getting midfield closed, where we're getting man or cover three, we work this side. Then there's also other passing concepts where you'll work left to right, kind of machine gun read through the whole thing, one to two to three to four across the field. Uh, there's also times where you can just catch the ball, spit it out based on the numbers and the leverage of the defense. Uh, and a lot of the time, one dude's route is to occupy coverage. Sure, he might pop open and everybody's wondering, oh, why didn't you? He was wide open. Well, that's because he's not in our thought process. You got it. And so, yeah, when it comes to things like that, it's definitely not, oh, hey, he's my buddy. He gave me his brownie at dinner the other day. You know, it, it has nothing to do with that, but it's I'm going through my reads, my progressions, one to two to three. And if 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 Vele is my number one read, I'm throwing him the ball if he's open. And that's the look I get. So yeah, that's kind of how that kind of pans out. Yeah. And the commentators are even they're they're they they need to confess their sins because they're <laughs> anyone saying, you know, this guy's a baller, you know, this guy's a playmaker. They should be getting the ball in his hands more often. And you just answer the question, well, yeah, that's the scheme. But when the defense takes that away, you got to go to a second or third option. Exactly. <laughs> like the scheme would be to put the ball in your playmaker's hands. I think last year when we had Dalton Kincaid, I mean, oh, yeah. dude, dude was an absolute freak. And so he, there were things where it was like, hey, if we get the look, get in the ball. Get in the ball yeah. if we can. But if you can't, don't force it because that's going to make things it's going to make matters worse. The other, night, the other night with the Bills – I interviewed him on my podcast last year. What a great young man. But he's awesome. He caught seven passes, and then there's a game where he didn't catch one. So you just answered the question. Yep. Yep. And you have to keep your mental toughness and your preparation. If you, <clears throat> you didn't get any action for two weeks, it's okay. Just keep pushing yourself to be the best you can be so that when you're the triangle player and your numbers call, <laughs> you can catch the ball, baby. Yeah. I just might have to bring a triangle to the game just to get your attention when you come off the field, dude. <laughs> no one else will hear it. I'll go ding, and you'll look up at my, my, uh, my seats and go, damn. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's get real personal. What What's game day? How do you prepare on game day? What do you do? What do you eat? You listen to music. When do you say goodbye to your wife? What do you do? So saying goodbye to my wife, I'll start with that because that actually happens first before it all. And I say goodbye to her Friday morning, I want to say, because we ended up even home games. We always stay in a hotel. I just wanted the fans to know. Yep. That. Yep. We stay at a team hotel. And I, so I feel like game day, you know, I kind of wake up, you'll get some breakfast. And with these early morning kicks, we have our meetings before on, on a Friday nights. And I'll wake up, I'll have breakfast. We'll go on our team walk. We'll come back. And we'll, I usually have about 40 minutes of extra time in between certain things. And I'll just kind of put my headphones in. I'll just kind of, I'll put on like, just like just some, 
essentially they're just like noises. They just kind of block things out and I'll go over the playbook and the scheme and just really kind of hone in on everything that we're trying to do. And so when these wristband numbers are called and I read these plays off, they just come off like second nature to me. And, you know, there's no hesitation on what we're trying to do and get done. This episode is proudly sponsored by Select Comfort Systems, supporting the University of Utah student athletes on and off the field. Let's, uh, I want you to, I want you to look in the, in the camera and talk to every dad and mother in the country that has a high school aged athlete, young man or young woman. Okay. Why they should come to the University of Utah. What does this program offer that is so unique? Uh, and why, if you had it to do all over again, you would do it again, even though your mm -hmm. road wasn't the stereotypical cocky prima donna, you know, eight <laughs> he walks like he sat on something hot and shows up like, hey, what, you know, I'm here, everything's going to be okay. You actually came in as the blue collar hard worker that made everybody around you better, which is why you're so endeared by your, your teammates and the fans. Seems like you wake up and your mission is to make everybody around you better. And then all of a sudden, because of that, you get the nod to be the starter. So back to the, back to the, back to the, the challenge, bro. What makes Utah football different and why should every kid consider coming to the University of Utah? The the culture and the family aspect that we have here, you don't find it anywhere else. You know, I have conversations with dudes that, you know, they end up leaving the program and moving on and kind of one of the reoccurring themes or even just the dudes that actually kind of come in, uh, the reoccurring theme that kind of comes up is uh, the, the culture and the way we do things here. You know, it, it's a hard work, determined determination type mentality, but it's also a, a mentality of love. Like, like I said before, like the teammate, like the love I have for my teammates is that they're, they're my brothers to me. And you don't, you don't find those types of cultures anywhere else besides the university of Utah. And so I'd feel like that's really what kind of sets this program apart is the love and the hard work that we put in together. Absolutely. So who inspired you as an athlete when you were in high school? And then who has inspired you as an athlete now that you're in college? <laughs> I feel like a lot of my inspiration to become a college athlete really came from my dad. He really kind of just instilled in me that, you know, like I, I have the ability to go do whatever I wanted to do. And like going to football camps growing up, you know, seeing these kids, I went to a lot bigger high schools than I did. You know, he was definitely like, Hey, like you're right there with him. You're competing right there with him. Like just cause, just cause they're going to all these big schools and they got all these, these fancy things going on with them. Like that doesn't mean like you can't play right there with them. And yeah. so I feel like it, that's just really kind of carried over throughout my entire football career was the confidence my dad has helped, helped me have and kind of just instill it within my own mindset. So how many, how many kids were in your graduating class from Milford high school? I think we had 38. But think of the, I mean, think of the positive, think of the inspirational confession you'll have for your children and grandchildren telling them that you graduated 38th in your class you were so freaking awesome i mean that's that's pretty that's you didn't think that was funny i thought that was a lot funnier than you did but 
If I could tell people I graduated 38th in my class, man, I'd be, my parents would have had a parade. <laughs> okay, bro. Uh, how do we get a hold of you in NIL? Do you have social media? Is it like Bryson Barnes, stud muffin hunk of burning love? Or <laughs> not, Bryson not Barnes reverently begging by my wife, you know, a, a new car? Or what is it? Uh, I would say the best way to kind of get in contact with me is through Instagram. And okay. yeah, username Bryson underscore Barnes 16. And yeah, that's that, that'd probably be the best way to reach me. Okay. Well, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on this program. And I've interviewed you a little longer than the other athletes because I wanted to spend half of my time just honoring you <clears throat> and pointing out that, you know, when you see an, a, an elite athlete competing at the highest level, like we do Bryson Barnes, you see more than muscle and bone going through motion. You see heart, you see determination, you see hustle, you see humility, you see sacrifice, and all these character traits and qualities that have made you a fine young man who just happens to play football. So I honor you for the man you are off the field and the competitor you are on. And with somebody like you, we're never out of it. You know, it's we got 13 seconds left in the clock and we're behind by 41 points. And, and guys in my row go, we can still win. We got Barnes, maybe. He's the gunslinger. We're still going to, we, we still got a chance. So just know that the fans are behind you and we, uh, you just represent us. That's why Utah travels so well. Mm. You know, when I was at the Coliseum, we had a lot of Ute fans at the Rose Bowl. It was like a home game. Baylor was like a home game. And I point that out with guys like you on my program because you, you, you're playing for us. You're playing for the Utes. You're playing for every one of us who played before. Mm -hmm. You know, you're playing for guys like me who got hurt, ended my career, and I'd give anything to just play one more play and I can't do it. And you don't take a playoff, so you represent especially guys like me. And we love you. We honor you. And you are the Utes. And that's why NIL folks should start opening their checkbooks right now as soon as they listen to this podcast and start sending you a couple of hundred grand in the next month because you are the guy that represents what we believe is most important. And that's being trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent, and hardworking champion, baby. Thanks, Bryson. I love you, dude. I honor you, and I can't wait to hang out off the field. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. See you, man. Later. All right, Dan, if you want, we can do the screenshot thing right now. If you guys both want to just yeah. smile. But um, can you give me, are you on, am I on split screen or I'm on this little, you know, I mean, what about my needs? I look like I'm the size of a postage stamp and, and Bryson gets this full screen image. Come on, dude. No, you're on split screen. Split. Have it on, I'll see it. Okay. I better flex a little better then. Yeah. I was going to say, it's definitely equal on our end. It's split screen. Yeah. Let's get a, let's get a picture. All right. Yeah. If you want to just kind of smile for a few seconds, I can just take it from this recording. Yeah. Go ahead and throw up the U. All right. All right. That's good stuff. Yep. I can take that. Cool. Okay. So you post that on your uh, Instagram, tag me and I'll post it and tag you and let's see if we can generate you some NIL money, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it, Dan. Oh, that blows my mind, dude. I thought for sure that people would 
catch the vision of what we were talking about. Your message is so much more than just being number 16. You got to know that. I know you know that, but you just got to know guys like me know that. And uh, I honor you for that. So there's some money to be made, bro. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for coming back, hanging around. And Jared, I'll see you next week, bud. Uh, actually, this was the last one. Oh, yeah. 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 You're the last one, dude. Oh, my yep. God. <laughs> last. Yep. The last episode of this podcast last series. Last episode of the podcast, oh, man. man. Yep. So that's a big honor. Went out with a storm, baby. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> So next week, Arizona State, you know, I'm down here. I live in Arizona half the year, and I got so many Arizona State fans. And I've known Herman Edwards for a long time, but, you know, he was down here for a while. Yeah. But it's, uh, I'm just – I wear my Ute stuff in the neighborhood. I'm just so proud. Maybe Absolutely. I need a number 16 jersey. Come on, baby. Yeah, I need, I, I need to get hooked up with a T-shirt company. Now we're talking. <laughs> that's, that's what I need. You know – Let's let's talk. You have my cell phone number. You know, there's there should be some folks showing up in the in the in the in the stadium with your t-shirt on. Would that tick off everybody else? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. I just know that after the USC game, there was this one that came out that was like, uh, this is our pig farmer or something like that. And I I'm like, well, oh. I would have I made one like pig farmer for Heisman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something. I mean, something because I mean, everybody else is going to start stealing ideas, and I ain't going to be making anything from it. Yeah. So Arizona State, that'll be a good contest. Yep. You know, there's pretty good parity in the Pac-12 now. You know, Arizona State should have beat Colorado. They should have beat Washington State. Arizona's playing well. Yeah, so it's kind of fun, you know. And Oregon at Caleb, he's such a cocky flipper. I don't like him. <laughs> he's a baller, though. I, I'll, I'll credit Remember, him to that. You should have gone over on his bench and talked to him after the game because he refused to come out and shake anybody's hand, man. I know. I was hoping to shake his hand. I mean, he's a freaking Heisman winner, but I never, I never got the opportunity. Uh, you should call him and say, you know, I hear you want my, you want your picture with me, and I'd be more than happy to <laughs> hang out, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. oh, I think I'd want the picture with him. <laughs> no, that's anyway, keep me in mind. Let me know. I'm, I'm here for you if I can ever help. And again, my my seats are on the fourth row, fifty yard line. So if you need a little love, you know, that's where the offense meets. It's right there, man. So yep, yep. At least wave or something, you know, show me some love. So. All right, yeah, I'll be looking for you Saturday then. Hey, baby, thanks so much, Bryson. You have a good night. Man. Yes, sir, you too. The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.